to recognize those who admonish you. Now, this admonish is not in a harsh way. Sometimes there are churches where pastors do it very harshly. And if you've been around when I teach, I usually don't, I don't yell at you guys. And I've been in the church services where I've been yelled at, and I don't like being yelled at, and nor do I feel like yelling at you guys. But I will teach the truth of the Word of God. And if it hits and if it hurts, sorry, it's the Word of God. And I am totally convinced that God's Word is the cure for our problems in this life. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Hopefully we'll close out the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, the last several verses, verses 12 through 28, we've been in the book for a um, couple of months now going through it. Uh, We've had a good study uh, through this book, and what we have here in the close of the letter is 23 exhortations and four blessings, as I count them, that Paul gives to his church there, and really some things he'd just like to see them implementing and doing in their lives. Some are positive, some are negative, and Paul is talking to the church, as we know through all scripture that's given to all the churches, all the body of Christ, and so as he's specifically at the time thinking of them, the Holy Spirit was working in him saying, you know, there's going to be a church in Lake Villa and they're going to be studying through this book. And there's some things I want you to put in there for them, too. And, you know, he's targeting that individual church, but also, I believe, targeting us as we look through this. And there could be some areas, as we would say today, that I need to take Paul's exhortation and need to straighten out some areas in my life perhaps do things better in my life, just trying to draw closer to our Lord. And so he's closing out a letter. And what would you do if you're closing out your final thoughts? And it seems to me with these 23 exhortations that Paul is just trying to, like a machine gun, just, all right, rattle off a bunch of thoughts that he could have went into detail on every one of them and just rattling off And remember that Paul wanted to, in this letter, we learned that twice he'd already tried to get back to them. He wanted to see them again. And so he's not writing a letter as if I'll never see you again. And in his mind, I will see you one day again. And so perhaps he would draw out in greater detail when he was with them. But he's closing out the letter. He didn't want it to be a a 17-page document and And here he is, just these thoughts are coming to him, and he begins to encourage and warn the church 
and I believe warn us as the church of Jesus Christ today. So what I'd like us to do is read through it to get the context, and then we'll open in prayer, ask God to bless the word, and get into the teaching. Beginning in verse 12, it says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those that are unruly. Comfort those who are the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle should be read to all the holy brethren. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And Father, we ask that your grace would be with us and your spirit this morning to help us, Lord, just to receive from your word that which you would have for us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He's rattling off a, a lot of different little topics here, but he begins with talking about those who minister among the fellowship. Remember the church in Thessalonica, they were baby Christians. We don't have the information from Scripture that before Paul left, he brought in some, some trained pastors to pastor this fellowship. What probably took place, and what took place most often in many of these fellowships, as the Lord would move Paul and Silas on, or Paul and Barnabas on, they would raise up leadership within the church and say, you know, we feel like God's calling you to be the pastor of this fellowship. Now, this probably happened within a three-week period. Well, I just got saved three weeks ago. That's all right. Everybody else did too. So you'll be fine. Depend upon the Holy Spirit and he'll get you through. The church is young. They're all baby Christians. Some have stood out and been called by God to shepherd over this flock. And Paul is asking them and urging them actually to recognize those who labor among you. This request, and we've looked at this word before in our study and in First Thessalonians, it's that urging that is from a person or the person doing the request is on equal footing, equal ground. It's been used of a kings, talking to kings. In the context, it'd be a brother to a brother, believer to a believer. He's urging them, urging the church to recognize those who labor among them. And this type of labor is talking about those who go to that place of fatigue, they're just, in a sense, burning out in their labors. Paul realizing the hardships in, in other areas of Scripture, the hardships of ministry, that I believe a lot of people don't realize, and even in a small fellowship, there's not a day that I don't think of this church, think of the Word of God. It's not a day that I'm not um, in the Word. You know, it's just... 
I just don't show up on Sunday morning. And as I said, asking us to fast for one another, you know, when stuff's going on in people's lives, and sometimes it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is, it's Lily and I who get that phone call and we respond to it appropriately. But Paul is urging them to recognize those who labor among them. So the first exhortation is to do that, to recognize those who labor among them. The second is to recognize those who are over you in the Lord. Literally, that over you in the Greek gives the picture of someone standing over you. But it actually means in placement as a pastor is over his fellowship, over those who are within the fellowship. There's a hierarchy in Scripture. Now, Jesus is over all of us, and I consider myself an under-shepherd of Jesus Christ. He's, he's the good shepherd. And I consider myself an under-shepherd. I'm in his control. I'm one of his sheep like you. But he called me to ministry. And through the process, eventually I landed here in this place. I was talking to one of the brothers this morning, that process from the call of ministry until I was ordained as the pastor of this fellowship was 11 years. And so the call was there. And in that call, that is to rule over to watch over, to care for this fellowship. And also, he was requesting them to recognize those who admonish you. Now, this admonish is not in a harsh way. Sometimes there are churches where pastors do it very harshly. And if you've been around, when I teach, I usually don't, I don't yell at you guys. And I've been in the church services where I've been yelled at, and I don't like being yelled at, and nor do I feel like yelling at you guys, but I will teach the truth of the Word of God. And if it hits and if it hurts, sorry, it's the Word of God. And I am totally convinced that God's Word is the cure for our problems in this life. But as it says in Ephesians 5.26, that there is a washing by the water of the Word. And so to, for the pastor to admonish, it actually means to, to put in mind a gentle reminder to recognize those who labor among you, those who are over you in the Lord, to admonish you, and those who admonish you, to gently reprove or warn is what it means, putting that reminder in them. And I'm one who labors among you. Kevin is one also. It's our calling by God into ministry, but it's also combined with the acknowledgement of this body. I actually came in this church just as you guys came into this church as a member of the church. I came in and joined as part of the fellowship. Now, I had already been through the school of ministry out at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, by the time I made it back into this area and to Lake Villa. As far as I was concerned, Calvary Chapel Lake Villa had a pastor. Mike was here for just around seven years, just under or just over seven years, but I think it was just under seven years that he was here as pastor, and the Lord moved him on. Actually, I was fellowshipping here while I was trying to get Bible studies and other things going to build a church elsewhere in our county. But I didn't want to do anything that would hinder or hurt Pastor Mike. That was my attitude as I came in. There are those who come into churches. They have agendas when they come in. There are churches that are congregational-led. We're not. We're led by your pastor and by a board of elders. But there are those, and I was raised in a congregational-led church, who really want to be the one who 
is in control. And that can be very dangerous. And their idea of the pastor is that he is just simply someone who's hired to preach the word of God for us. And in many churches, their mindset is, look, you'll be moving on in a year or two anyways, and we're going to be the ones here. We'll maintain our church, and you just come and preach for us. And so there's never that co-laboring together. But it's, it's the call of God into ministry combined, I believe, with the acknowledgement of this body by calling us to serve among you as you anoint us and pray over us and ordain us into the ministry here as you have both myself and Kevin. It also places us in a place of higher responsibility before the Lord. We stand over you, preside over you as under shepherds, as I said, to gently admonish you, to remind you of the things of the Lord, but it comes with responsibility too. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 5, 2, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. In Hebrews thirteen seventeen, it says, Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give an account, let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Okay, the body now. Here Paul is saying to the body, recognize those who labor among you, those who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Goes on to say in verse 13, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. There in Hebrews, do so, let them do so in joy. Let their work in ministry, their fatigue. He's not saying take away the fatigue of the ministry, but as they're ministering in that place of sometimes even exhaustion, hey, let them do it in joy. Don't add undue pressures. But then he goes on to say, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Unprofitable, I believe, as a pastor has perhaps pressures coming in from the outside, coming in from within the fellowship at times when churches are perhaps going through a split and we've seen things happen not only elsewhere, but even in this fellowship where we've had people leave several years ago because of some things it's really hard to do ministry that way. And also what I've noticed, and and I'll admit this to you, that it made me gun shy to release people into ministry because sometimes it can be dangerous. And so one of the goals that I have in my mind is to, and I've been working toward it, I believe, and trying to raise up men and men's discipleship, Lily actually having some ladies begin to gather around her and more of forming a core and as a core of men begin to form around me and a core of ladies forming around Lily. And a lot of this core is resulting from our prayer times on Monday nights or Thursday nights and just seeing us people come alongside. And also in my mind, see, okay, let's turn this around now and start releasing people into ministry again. So I believe that that it can be unprofitable not only for the pastor, but for you too, because then he doesn't feel free to do ministry and then doesn't feel free to allow people to minister to each other. The danger there that there is a balance. And there are times when 
pastors can be reprimanded. I'm not saying that that can't take place. And, and it's not that we shouldn't listen to things saying, you know what? It's not to be publicly, but I would say go to the pastor in private. Talk to him and work out those issues. But not do it publicly. I remember back at my dad's church, my dad was a pastor, and dad did something that I'll never do, but he put out a suggestion box. Ooh, that can be dangerous. And I was cleaning the church uh, one of the weekends, and and being young and being nosy, and there wasn't a lock on the box, so it was open to anybody who wanted to look in there. And, you know, I opened it up. There was only one suggestion in there. We need a new pastor. And so my dad didn't see that suggestion, but he may have seen others. That was the only one that I had saw. And I thought, how cruel that is. And there was a, a deacon in my dad's church. He was his head deacon for so many years. And what happened in my dad's fellowship, I was talking to some of the brothers a few weeks ago about um, the aggressiveness of dad and just listening to the uh, dedication building that they built over in Zion when they dedicated it. As we're cleaning out my parents' house, I found the dedication tape. My dad wasn't preaching on it. It allowed another pastor that sponsored their church as a mission some many years before that to allow that church's pastor to do the dedication service. But you know, I got to hear my dad's voice again and got to hear how he said, Lord, and, you know, he, he's from the South, and he's just like, oh, I forgot he talked that way. But it was good to hear his voice. But I realized by the time he was ordained as a pastor, and by the time they purchased, built, and dedicated that building, three and a half years. Now, as the deacon, Brother Bob, was reading off the history of the church, it was almost like, well, brother and so-and-so came and pastored and he died. And, you know, it was like every year, every six months, they were just turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around of pastors for almost 13 years until my dad showed up and he would be their pastor for the next 12 years. And after they got into the church that next year, they're in their new building. And, and that next year we went into a recession and going into a recession, and, and to be honest with you, I have those same feelings about some of the things I'm seeing as far as the economy going right now. It feels like we're starting to go into that time of recession again. A couple of major factories closed down. Dad lost some key leadership in his, his church who moved out of state just to keep their jobs. And he never really recovered from that. But he had a heart for that fellowship. The year before his death, after they had been through a few pastors and there had still been no success, those who were left called my dad. So would you come back? And he blessed my heart because he called me. And, and it was probably that same year that he passed away, but, and his health was not going to allow him to do it. And he told me what was going on. He said, they've asked me to come back. He said, I told him I won't go unless you go with me. I wasn't even called into ministry at that time, but my mindset was beginning to direct that way. And I was thinking the Lord was perhaps preparing me, and I thought, yeah, if you go, I'll go with. And we never had that opportunity. I, I wish it would have happened, but God had different plans. But I also watched the pain of the work. In the dedication service, the director of the association of all the groups of churches that they were part of 
didn't preach the service, but he had a few words to say. And he says, you know, they say, and it was a Baptist church, they say that every underneath every Baptist church is buried the minister who built the building. And he's talking about the hardships that go with it. And it's not just the building project. And I, I, I'm amazed. My dad made it through ninth grade, and that was it. I'm amazed at what the Lord did with him and how he didn't even get saved until he was 28 and how effectively the Lord used this man in ministry. But I also watched the hardship and how it hurt the body. And so it's not just unprofitable for the pastor, but for the whole of the body to esteem them in love. And this word is agape. It means to hold them in highest regards, but it's in love. It's in the agape love of Christ. And it's a, been a word that's been used over and over again in this epistle. But notice it's not for their personality. It's not because, oh, he looks good. It's because of the work's sake. It's the call to the ministry. And I am the pastor of this fellowship, but I hold ministers, some in the community. I feel we're ministers in the community. We're working together, different fellowships, and I respect them for the position, the role that they have. Others, like Pastor Chuck, I hold him in that same high regard, that same high esteem. I was very cautious when I lived in California. I held him in high regard. Not worship, but look at the man's work, the life, and the way the Lord's used him. Hold him in that regard. It's for the work's sake, but also to be at peace with one another. There's a book, uh, Bible Commentary, a little one-volume, very small, called Haley's Bible Handbook. But he said of this, when church members love their pastor and at peace among themselves, other things being equal, the church is sure to grow. So he saw the balance of the love toward the pastor and also the peace within the fellowship. It goes together when a church members love their pastor and at peace among themselves, other things being equal, the church is sure to grow. And so the importance of the church life here in these first two verses it's on both sides. You know, it's the heart of myself and Kevin and Lily and Melissa as we minister among you, Kevin and myself as your pastors. But it goes both ways, and to have the right balance within our fellowship, so important. You know, it's really that living at peace among yourselves that's found there in verse 13. To be at peace among each other. The idea is to support one another, whether it's your pastor and ministry and loving him, esteeming him as you should. To be honest, I've seen it on all sides. I'm a PK. I'm a pastor's kid. person who wouldn't want to get into ministry perhaps would be one that was raised up in the ministry because you see the hardships there. And I, I marvel more now at my parents than I did when I was growing up through it just to realize the grace that they had as they went through. And so they've been an example for me, but it's not just my parents being an example, but it's us being an example for each other to be that brethren. And it's a word that's been repeated over and over again, brethren. It's just talking to the fellowship here to be those who are willing to warn, those who are willing to comfort, those who are willing to uphold, those who are willing to be patient, those who are willing to do good. And so it all comes back to having Jesus in your life. That's the first necessary step. Jesus is our ultimate example of what it means to love each other, of what it means not to render evil 
two others, but when he was hanging on the cross and was crucified, it's Rob's fault. I started getting emotional in one of the songs earlier. (laughs) But what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. One day the Lord will return in justice. But until that day, there is this opportunity for fellowship. You don't have to receive the judgment of God. He has made available his salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And it all begins with the Lord. It all starts there. And so we'll close. Rob, why don't you just come out and close us out with a song. As the Lord has directed you and pricked your heart today, perhaps, perhaps you want prayer and there's, you can come down and just kneel down and pray and ask the Lord to, to work in your life, in your heart. You can come and ask me to pray with you, and I will. But as the Lord leads us now at this time, I'll be down front for you. Father, I ask that you would be with us. Thank you for your word. How simple it is, and the truths that are found there are so rich and so deep. And Lord, help us to get a hold of it. We have failed in many ways, but you have never failed. You are always faithful. And Lord, we turn to you now once again and ask you to work in our hearts and in our midst this day. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.